1: That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
2: Hello, welcome to Ezra Klein Show on the Vox Media Podcast Network. So much of this show is about what's wrong with American politics and American life, but it's Thanksgiving. Let's talk about something going right. Season two of Sarah Cliff's amazing podcast, The Impact. Honestly, The Impact is one of the things that I, I like the most that Vox does. It is. Such a tonic in this moment. Right now, this season, it's all about the most interesting, inspiring, encouraging, or revealing policies being tried in states and cities. Every single episode of this show, every single one, has made me feel a little bit better about American politics. And every episode, uh, as a journalist and somebody who watches this stuff and thinks about it all the time— it's reminded me what all this is actually supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about making people's lives better through policy. So I wanted to present one of the episodes here for you. This is a dispatch from Oakland, California, where people are trying to work through a hard problem and make the outcomes a little bit better, a little bit fair. You can subscribe to The Impact wherever you get your podcasts.
3: A quick heads up before today's episode. We wanted to let you know it covers some pretty upsetting topics. If you want to skip that particular part, It starts at about eight minutes and ends at about 10 minutes.
4: It looks like all the other office towers. Got a
3: Starbucks on the fourth floor and a bank. This is Lisa Knox. She's with my producer Jillian outside of what looks like an ordinary office building in downtown San Francisco.
4: Right back to the entrance, there's a
3: place where you can get like a
4: $13 sandwich. So I think from this point on, you won't be allowed to have the equipment.
3: She means Jillian's recorder. It's not allowed. So Jillian turns it off and heads inside. This boring looking building with its super expensive lunch options, it is actually the site of a fierce battle between the Trump administration and local officials. It's also a courtroom in disguise Five days a week, immigrants from across Northern California stand before judges on the fourth, eighth, and ninth floors. They are facing deportation to some of the most dangerous places in the world. A lot of them don't speak English, and they are not guaranteed a lawyer. you probably know that when you're accused of a crime...
0: You have the right to an attorney. You have the right to an attorney. You have the right to an attorney.
3: If you're arrested on a criminal charge, even something as small as shoplifting, you might be facing a fine, a few months in jail, but you are guaranteed a lawyer, no matter what, even if you're not a citizen. If you're arrested for violating immigration law, you actually haven't committed a crime, but you're facing deportation, often to very violent places. That can be a death sentence. And you're on your own in the courtroom. In this situation, you have no right to a lawyer. This all means that an immigrant who gets arrested is being treated like a criminal without the rights of a criminal. And these days, more and more immigrants are getting arrested. —
5: They're bringing drugs. — A zero-tolerance policy for illegal entry. — They're bringing crime. — If you cross the border unlawfully, Then we will prosecute you.
2: They're rapists. We will always stand proudly with the brave heroes of ICE and our border patrol. If you didn't have walls over here, you wouldn't even have a country. You wouldn't even have a country.
3: From the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is The Impact. I'm Sarah Cliff. Donald Trump ran his presidential campaign on a promise to change our immigration system. And in his time as president, he has made good on that promise. But as immigration policy has changed on the federal level, cities all across the country have changed their policies, too. Especially Oakland, California.
5: Para mí, Oakland es muy bonito. For me, Oakland is very beautiful. Heart-stirring natural beauty with urban energy and grit.
6: Richness and culture, and it is because of everyone that is here from the different countries.
4: Hay
5: trabajo. There's work.
4: A the site of resistance to a lot of Trump policies, particularly around immigration.
3: Take Oakland's mayor, Libby Schaff. Earlier this year, she got an inside tip about an immigration raid in the Bay Area. And she did something unprecedented. She warned the community. She called a press conference and said, watch out, this raid is coming. The Trump administration pushed back.
1: I think it's
7: outrageous that a mayor would circumvent uh, federal authorities and certainly put
3: them in danger by making a move uh, such as that, and that's currently under review. Oakland is not intimidated by the White House. While the federal government is pushing to deport immigrants, Oakland is running a policy experiment to help immigrants in their community. Their strategy? Provide as many immigrants as possible with attorneys in court, free of charge. So how does Oakland pull this off when the federal government is against them? And how do immigrants' lives change when they get representation? My producer Jillian Weinberger flew to Oakland last summer, and she picks up the story from here. I've reported
8: from courtrooms in the past, and I can tell you that immigration court is different in a lot of ways. There's the not having a lawyer thing. And that actually changes the judge's role.
0: Immigration judges have a tremendous amount of responsibility when a person does not have an attorney.
8: That's Judge Ashley Tabador.
0: I'm the president of the National Association of Immigration Judges.
8: Judge Tabador has been on the bench since 2005. And she says immigration judges, like all judges, have to be
0: impartial. But if somebody is appearing before the court without counsel and they're being opposed by the government, who is always represented by counsel, the law requires us to take some additional steps to try to even or level the playing field. So it makes it a very difficult tightrope to walk. And on top of that, immigration law is one of the most complicated areas of the law. It has a lot of steps, a lot of nuances.
8: It's also really easy for immigrants to get taken advantage of there are language
0: barriers, financial issues, and if the lawyer makes a mistake. Then the person gets deported. It's unfortunately a perfect storm of factors. This perfect
8: storm is reason enough to give immigrants lawyers in court. But for Oakland, it became even more urgent when Donald Trump took office. Two weeks after his inauguration, Oakland passed a resolution to fund immigrant legal services. They dedicated $300,000 to the initiative the county allocated more than twice that. The city put this one organization in charge.
4: Central Legal De La Raza.
8: That's Lisa Knox, the lawyer who took me into the office building with the hidden courtroom. Knox is in her mid-30s and tall, with curly hair, high cheekbones, and a strong chin. I spent a few days following her around, and I think the best way to describe her is exceptionally competent, especially with her clients and in front of a judge. Knox joined Centro Legal de la Raza in 2016, but it's been around for a long time.
4: It was founded in 1969 by law students from Berkeley Law who really wanted to provide services, specifically legal services, to the Latino community in the Fruitvale. The
8: Fruitvale—it's Oakland's largest Latino neighborhood. Centro's cramped, sunny offices are located there in a colorful pedestrian hub connected to the BART station. There's a health clinic, a few taquerias, and a branch of the public library. A lot of Centro's clients live nearby, including one I met last July. Do you want to choose a name
7: to use? ¿Podemos escoger un nombre falso para Fernanda
5: está bien.
8: Fernanda. We're using a pseudonym here for her safety. Fernanda just celebrated her 40th birthday. She spends a lot of her time at work.
5: Trabajo limpiando casas. She cleans houses. Cuido niños.
8: She babysits. She does pedicures and manicures. She hopes to go to beauty school eventually, maybe open her own salon someday. The day we met, Fernanda had her reddish-brown hair in a ponytail. She was dressed in athletic gear, leggings, black Nikes, a sporty tank top. I found out later she's kind of a workout fanatic. She goes to the gym almost every day, including the day of our interview. She said it's good for her mood and her blood pressure. We talked in a conference room at Centro Legal. A paralegal helped translate. Fernanda grew up in Michoacan, in the western part of Mexico, between Guadalajara and Mexico City. And why did you decide
5: to leave? I
7: decided to come because my partner at the time beat me and threatened to kill me. And he said that if I ever leave, that he would kill me. And so I decided to come here to escape him and avoid him finding me. I first tried five years ago, but I was deported at the border.
8: What happened when you had to go back?
5: When I
7: came back, unfortunately, I had to return to the relationship because he also threatened to harm my family. So out of fear, I went back to the relationship. miedo.
8: We paused for a second here so Fernanda could wipe her eyes. Michoacán, Fernanda's hometown, has had a lot of problems over the last 15 years or so. Drug cartels, serious violence, organized crime has taken over some local governments. And when Fernanda came back, the cartels
7: targeted her
8: and her family.
7: Mi papá. My father was murdered five years ago.
8: She decided to try and cross the border again.
7: In autobus. From Michoacan to Guadalajara, I took a bus. And then from Guadalajara to Juarez, I flew.
8: Juarez. Then she took another bus from Juarez to Tijuana. She walked across the bridge to San Diego. And then a friend picked her up and took her to Oakland. Altogether, it was a six-day journey. When she arrived, she had to find a place to stay and some work. But she had started to make a life for herself here. And then last August, she stopped by a friend's house on her way to work.
7: Unfortunately, I was in the wrong house.
8: The police showed up. Fernanda doesn't really know why. The details are unclear. But she got arrested. She hadn't committed a crime. She was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But that contact with the criminal justice system put her on ICE's radar.
4: Every agency always has discretion in how it enforces its laws. Lisa Knox again. And so the Obama administration had a policy that certain people were priorities for removal, mostly people who had serious criminal convictions. Today? Trump has stated that that policy is no longer in effect and everyone is a priority for removal. So Fernanda got picked up by ICE.
8: And they took her to San Francisco for processing.
4: They
7: take us completely chained with handcuffs around my wrists to my waist and down my ankles as well.
8: So yes, Fernando was in detention. But she was also really lucky, in two ways. First, this all happened in Oakland, a city actively working to protect immigrants. And second, Fernanda had a friend who knew how to get her a lawyer. Immigrants in Oakland can go directly to Centro Legal de la Raza for help, but they can also turn to this huge network of organizations that works with Centro. It's called...
4: The Alameda County Immigrant Legal Education Partnership.
8: Or a CLIP for short. These days, it's how a lot of immigrants in Oakland find attorneys. After Trump's inauguration, Immigrants, lawyers, community organizers—they all came together and they formed this legal partnership. It has a hotline that anyone can call twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, and it's staffed by dispatchers.
6: Good morning. You've reached the CELAP of Alameda County. How may I help you? Buenos dias. I llamado la linea de This is one of them. My name's Alba Hernandez.
8: Hernandez is tiny, about five foot one, but it took me a while to notice because she is a presence. She's been working with Oakland's immigrant communities for decades. And her profession is also personal. Hernandez immigrated from El Salvador when she was seven years old.
6: I was very fortunate to come here, you know, legally.
8: But a lot of her friends and family members are undocumented. And she thinks of them when she's working. Part of her job is answering the calls that come into the hotline. She hands out these red information cards with the ACLIP logo and phone number, So residents, like Fernandez's friend, know who to call. And Hernandez does workshops in the community, in local congregations and schools.
6: Trying to educate the community on their rights, on how to react if they should have encounters with ICE.
8: Her work has an impact. There was this one guy who called into the hotline. He had been to one of her workshops.
6: The gentleman that I spoke to locked himself in his bedroom. Ice was actually banging on his door.
8: She reminded the caller of what she describes as the basics.
6: Make sure you don't open the door. You don't have to say anything. And I also let him know that we were on our way. And the gentleman says, I'm not even going to open the door to you when you come.
8: She had to find a way to get the caller to trust her when she showed up. These days, it's not easy.
6: I was going to tell him what I was wearing and that I would have my badge and that I would call him as soon as I was in front of his house so that he knew that it was safe.
8: Do you know what happened to him?
6: Um, I don't. Um, after we're done with our part, it's the legal team that follows up.
8: When Fernanda got picked up, her friend talked to a dispatcher like Hernandez. The dispatcher got in touch with Centro. So because of Oakland's policy experiment, Fernanda found an attorney, Lisa Knox. But while her case was pending, she had to stay in detention.
7: They separate us in cells by two people shared, and we sleep until 4 a.m. when they wake us up for
5: breakfast. el desayuno,
7: The milk was almost always expired and gone bad. The bread was also moldy very often. To go to church, we were only given one hour a month.
5: ICE wouldn't
8: comment on any of these claims specifically, neither would the local detention facility. But the San Francisco Chronicle has published stories like Fernandez'. And Fernanda's lawyers say they've heard similar claims from other detainees. This detention facility was part of a local jail. Fernanda had to stay there, even though she hadn't been accused of a crime. Remember, immigration violations aren't criminal, but she was held with a lot of women who were accused of
5: crimes. We were at risk of being harmed
7: by them, we were in danger, and the rules were the same for us as
5: they were for them. What really struck
8: me is those prisoners are guaranteed an attorney.
5: Fernanda was
8: not. She probably wouldn't have found one if her friend hadn't called the hotline. A lot of immigrants end up in court alone.
4: I can't think of another situation where there are such high stakes and somebody can appear without an attorney and have to rely on the judge to explain to them what's going on.
3: We are going to take a short break, but when we come back, we are going inside that mysterious building to see the courtroom. We're going to see why having an attorney there really matters and what happens to the immigrants who don't get that help.
1: Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small
3: business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back to The Impact. Jillian has more of Fernanda's story from Oakland, California. Fernanda had to
8: stay in detention for six months. Knox used that time to prepare her case.
4: We had to prepare evidence. We had to prepare her. We had to prepare expert witnesses. So all of that takes time.
8: This is where having a lawyer really matters. It takes a lot to convince a judge that someone shouldn't be deported.
5: She would
7: come visit me to speak to me and get every detail related to my ex-partner. Evidence of why I couldn't return. So evidence of my ex-partner's beatings and threats.
5: Knox took all of
8: that evidence to San Francisco's immigration court. I couldn't watch Fernandez's hearing, but I did go to court with Knox to see similar cases. She had a last-minute hearing. When we met up, she had just changed out of her usual jeans and T-shirt.
4: Do you always have a suit with the ready? I do, actually. I usually have a couple suits in my office. I had to take some to the cleaners. But yeah, because you never know when you might have to go to court. We got on the
8: train at Fruitvale and rumbled under the bay to that office tower on Montgomery Street in downtown San Francisco. And again, no recording inside. But I took a lot of notes. That day, Knox's hearing was on the fourth floor. In some ways, it looks like a typical courtroom. The judge wears black robes, plush blue carpeting pads the floor. But certain things about this court are different. For one, there's this seal on the wall. It's from the Department of Justice. It reminds all who enter that the attorney general has the ultimate authority here. If you walk into most other courtrooms in California, you'll see the seal of the state, or the city, maybe the appellate court. The judges in those courtrooms, they're part of the judicial branch. Even if they're selected by the governor or the president, they don't answer to him. But immigration courts, They're housed in the Department of Justice, the executive branch. Immigration judges aren't appointed by the president. They're not elected by the American people. They're handpicked by the attorney general. He helps decide how this courtroom is run. And under President Trump, his decisions often make immigrants' cases more challenging. So, for example, if you walk into most immigration courts in the U.S., you'll see screens hanging from the wall. In San Francisco, there is one directly above the judge and another to the judge's left, therefore beaming clients in from detention. This is how Fernanda came to court, virtually. It's called VTC. Respondents are taken to a special room in the detention center where they watch the proceedings on a screen and they address the court through a camera. The Department of Justice says VTC makes the whole process move faster. They also say it's safer for their employees and that it saves money. Lisa Knox has a
4: different perspective. With clients who have difficulty testifying, maybe suffer from PTSD, it's nice to be able to take a break and talk with them. That's much harder over VTC. I have to... Ask the judge to clear the entire courtroom so that we can speak on the VTC.
8: And then sometimes there are problems with video or sound in the detention center.
4: I tell my clients they have to let us know because I've seen cases where somebody isn't answering questions quickly enough or is very non-responsive. And it turns out that it's because on their end at the jail, the video isn't working or the sound isn't working or there's some sort of delay But that can just come across to the judge as somebody evading questions or somebody who doesn't want to be honest. That really matters
8: because a lot of these cases rest on credibility. Basically, whether the judge thinks the immigrant is believable. But a lot of people are afraid to tell the judge they don't understand. So in court, Knox's clients might say,
4: "Okay, yes, Your Honor, I understand. But then talking to them later, they have no idea what happened in court.
8: That first day I went to court with Knox, I saw a few different clients appear over the VTC. They sat at a wooden table, jail cell bars behind them. I imagined Fernanda sitting there, in a jumpsuit, peering at the judge through the camera. Like Fernanda, most of the immigrants I saw that day had attorneys. Oakland's policy experiment in action. A lot of the lawyers were like Knox, prepared, efficient, and respectful of the judge. But Oakland's funding is limited. Not everyone gets a lawyer. And I saw that the following day in another courtroom. The immigrants in this courtroom were also facing deportation, but for legal reasons, they didn't have to stay in detention. So everyone came in person, no screens. The courtroom was packed.
4: A lot of the docket is families or unaccompanied minors. So You know, you might have one case, but there's a family of three people who are part of that case.
8: The day I was there, a lot of these families didn't have an attorney. And at least with adults, there's
4: some more comprehension. But with the children, you know, they really don't know what's going on.
8: When I sat down in this courtroom last July, one of these families scooted in next to me, a young woman and a little boy who looked like her son, probably around four years old. He wore shiny gray cargo shorts and brand new Puma sneakers, He swung his legs back and forth on the bench as he waited. The judge asked the PAC courtroom, raise your hand if you need an attorney. The translator repeated that in Spanish, and at least two-thirds of the room put their hands in the air, including the little boy next to me. There was an attorney there, plump guy, bushy gray hair. He was with clients, but he also offered to volunteer his time, pro bono. He didn't speak Spanish. You can speak with this attorney privately and at no cost, the judge said. The interpreter repeated her in Spanish, and most of the room filed out behind the gray-haired lawyer. I went out in the hall a little later, and I saw the little boy lined up behind his mom. They were waiting for a few minutes to consult with the attorney. Back in the courtroom, the judge saw all the clients with lawyers first. And about an hour later, Everyone else filed back in. The volunteer lawyer pointed to a woman in a white tank top. The court should thank this woman, he said. She had served as his translator, even though she was there as a client herself. The court couldn't give the volunteer lawyer an official translator. Eventually, the judge called the young mom and her son with the Puma sneakers. The mom asked for more time to find a lawyer while her little boy twirled in the chair beside her. Knox sees this a lot. In fact, in a lot
4: of courtrooms. There's like baskets of toys to try to keep kids occupied because it's really common that a courtroom will be full of kids these days.
8: Watching that little boy in court, it made me realize how lucky Fernanda was to get a lawyer. But at the time, she didn't feel so lucky.
5: From being
7: detained, it was very sad. I lost a lot of weight. I lost around 40 pounds. I was depressed to not be able to be out free. And it was very sad, but from something very bad, something good came.
8: Out. Fernanda had her final hearing over the VTC, the video system. One of the other immigrants in detention taught her a few English words to listen for. Words like work permit or social security. The day of the hearing, Fernanda wore a hoodie under her green prison jumpsuit. She said it was always freezing in detention. There were two guards outside the door as she settled in front of the camera. Over the VTC, she heard the judge say she was granted something called withholding of removal.
4: Which is precisely what it sounds like. So she's got a removal order, but she can't actually be removed. They're withholding the actual deportation.
8: What did it feel like when you realized that you were going to be able to stay?
4: I was
7: very, very happy. I was overjoyed and started crying because I knew that my case was very hard, but we were able to do it. And thank you to my attorney and to Central de la Raza and the judge. Later,
8: Fernanda told me Every day I live my life to make sure the judge doesn't regret letting me stay. Fernanda is rebuilding her life in Oakland. She has permission to stay indefinitely, and she has a work permit. But if she had landed in a different city, it could have been a very different story. Alba Hernandez, that's the hotline dispatcher, she told me about another case from a city north of Oakland in a different county. A young man had been picked up by ICE, and his parents called the hotline. But there was only so much Hernandez could do, because this family
6: wasn't local. The individual was in detention for seven months. He became desperate and ended up signing his voluntary deportation. It's just so difficult because I'm sure when they're inside, they're hearing of the different cases that have been there for six months longer And so they become desperate, and of course the family that stays behind is suffering.
8: This season, we're looking at local policy, at cities and states experimenting with new ideas that can change lives. Oakland has done that. Local officials are standing up to the Trump administration to keep immigrants in their community. And because of their policy experiment, more immigrants can stay. Oakland's program hasn't been around long enough to study, but national research has found that immigrants who have lawyers are more than five times as likely to be successful in court. But being in the Bay Area also reminded me that there's only so much local policy can do. Without system-wide immigration reform, stories like Fernandez will be few and far between.
3: Jillian Weinberger is the senior producer for our show. Our producer is Bird Pinkerton, and our editor is Amy Drozdowska. Engineering and scoring in this episode by Jared Paul. Our theme music is by Jukebox the Ghost. Other music in this episode is from Blue Dot Sessions, Noam Hassenfeld, and Poddington Bear. A big thank you to Dara Lynn. She suggested this story and gave us a lot of editorial guidance, and also to Alex Ward for translation help. And thank you to Allison Rocky, Jay Ciz, Sarah Derry-Oshero, Judy London, Kenny Malone, Elaney Wolf-Rubatis, and Gabriela Moraga.
2: That's The Impact. Subscribe to The Impact wherever you get your podcasts. And it's Thanksgiving. And I want to just say quickly, I am thankful and grateful for all the time you all spend with the podcast, for all the great emails you send me, the ideas you give me. I'm grateful I have this wonderful opportunity to talk to interesting people, to learn more, to try to make myself a little bit better. And hopefully it's been a value to all of you. So here's to another great year and know that I know that giving me 90 minutes twice a week, it's a huge time investment and you're all busy people. So it's meaningful to me and I'm grateful for all of you for being here.